Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and welcome back to another podcast episode. So today's episode is going to be talking about the July uh, stats. So we're recording, recording this in uh, late August, but we'll cover the stats for July. So we're going to cover the stats. Also got some longer-term stats on just some uh, COVID stuff. I'm actually going to run through a deal analysis on a property I'm buying now, and actually also talk about should you wait to prices to drop if you expect them to and how much of a difference that may or may, may not make in your cash flow. So my co-host is Preston Newberry. Preston, glad to have you in the studio. Thanks, Chris. It's good to be back on and uh, get another podcast on the books with you. I know. We did a lot during COVID and yeah. then got busy again. And, and then we got busy. a bunch of multifamily and now two months later, you're back on the podcast. Hey, at least I'm still around. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to just give you a couple stats on the podcast here. From a high level, not much has changed. We're still low inventory, but we're going to give you some context with this as well. So we'll give you some numbers and then context we're seeing on the transaction side as well. So Preston, you and I were talking about this before we hit record, and I've got the uh, data snapshot pulled up from the uh, monthly report, and this is in the show notes that you guys, if you guys want to view it, click on the links. But what's that to you the most out of these uh, stats? Yeah, so there's a lot of really interesting stuff here, Chris. And we're looking at the uh, Denver Metro Association of Realtors uh, kind of monthly uh, comparison and, and market stats here. And one of the big things that jumped out to me is our active listings um, this year compared to a year ago. We're still down 31%, um, which is pretty incredible to me. Obviously, we lost a lot of listings and, and sellers kind of got skittish you know, with the, the COVID situation. We thought we would see a lot more of those come back on the market, but we're still seeing really, really low inventory. I mean, as of the end of July, uh, there's 6,400 active listings. Um, a year ago, we had 9,300. So that just gives you an idea of how low the inventory is right now and how incredibly competitive it is for our buyers. And I think that because, I mean, a year ago, we were at like 9,400, and then we are at basically 6,500 this July. So again, it's two things. Because last year is when we started seeing that inventory build, yep. which was kind of the highest we'd seen for a number a of years. A number of years. And then uh, this year, I heard some speculation. You know, I think a lot of these listings that got taken off the market during the uh, eight, uh, you know March April timeframe didn't come back on because if you're if you're a seller, you don't have to sell right that moment. But you're you're a high risk. Your your kid has asthma or. Your dad or you know grandma lives with you higher risk. Like you don't want yeah, people in your you house. you don't want people in your house at all. And I think you know obviously as things have moved through this kind of COVID time period, a lot of people's lives have changed as well. So maybe their initial reasons or or motivations for wanting to sell have changed. You know, obviously the school situation is a little bit different if they've got kids and now everybody's still home. So you know I think there's a lot of different factors that come into play there. But it's still really interesting to just kind of look at that from a numbers perspective. And then, I mean, so from high level, just very much an extreme seller's market as well. So not much has changed there. Uh, an interesting thing here is there's been a huge jump in the average price from a year ago uh, to this month. Like the average sales price uh, sold in Denver was at 540 And now a year ago, it was at 495 So that's a 45 grand jump. Now the median price, so the average where you take all the numbers, divide it, and you get the average median is the middle. The median price for July 2020 was 460. A year ago was 430. So we're definitely seeing some price jumps there. But the reason the average has jumped up so much is just has a lot to do with the way the the stats are are measured. So there's been um, a lot of uh, you know a couple things going on here. One is the jumbo loans are back, yep. and that's helped that higher market move. And you know the jumbo loans or anything above that. 
575 conforming balance here in Denver. Correct. And so if you guys remember, I, the jumbo loan market really froze for, I don't know, what, two or three months? Yeah, it was a good 60 days at least that it was just basically non-existent, except for a couple smaller you know banks that were still doing some things. But um, yeah, the secondary market basically just said, we're not doing anything with jumbo loans. Yeah, so we started seeing the jumbo loans come back. So that pent up demand for those few months. Obviously, that was built up. That came back. Interest rates dropped as well, so that made a better bet for you know the jumbo loans. So even though you're seeing you know a huge uh, average increase, it doesn't mean that everyone's prices went up you know nine, ten, eleven percent from year over year. It's just the way that the stats were kind of measured this year. So that was an interesting thing that jumped out to me. Yeah, and I'm glad you touched on that, Chris. And I think, you know, the other part of that, too, is the fact that interest rates are so low right now that it's really increased a lot of people's buying power, right? So, and that's something we'll touch on a little bit later here as we kind of go through some deal analysis stuff. But, um, you know, with rates being as low as they are, you know, all of a sudden, you know, half a percent or even a percent from where people were looking at before, you know, we're hovering in the mid twos right now. That, you know, increases your buying power a ton. So it took buyers from a pool of maybe, you know, that four hundred dollars to $450,000 mark, and now they're able to buy those, you know, 500 plus or 600 plus thousand dollar houses with the same payment so that you know is a big portion of why we're seeing this you know headline of you know how much the prices are jumping but when you really dig into the numbers there's some logic behind it so you know i've talked about this but preston what's your guess do you think we'll see a price drop here in denver in the next you know here to 2021 Based on all the information and a lot of it we're going to go through today, I don't see any indicators that show me that there's going to be any kind of a price drop. I think there's so many things going on here, especially in Colorado, just our market in general, that uh, you know I think for the next decade, if not longer, uh, we're going to see low inventory, and that's always going to drive prices up. And so just some other quick high-level stats. Um, you know, Under contracts are up, closed are up from a year ago, sales volume is up. Just a lot of stuff is just up other than inventory. Um, so everything else is just going up, which goes what you're saying. Basic supply and demand. We have lots of demand uh, yep. and just not enough supply. And so something I want to spend some time to talk about, because I we've had quite a few conversations like this where some people are speculating the prices may drop. Yep. Again, we don't have a crystal ball, but I will bet anyone out there a, a pitcher of beer or a cup of coffee that I do not think prices will drop this year or next year. But here's the thing you have to take into context. You mentioned this, now let's dive into it, Preston, is the lower interest rates. Yep. Interest rates have dropped a lot um, since even right before COVID to a year ago, because you know rates started going up a little bit a year, year and a half ago, um, and then they just you know started coming back down, and they just went off a cliff in like right around like late March, I think. So something that I was, uh, you know, it's always a good thing to consider if someone says, "Oh, I want to wait for prices to drop." Great. Well, if prices do drop, what's the interest rate doing? Because if you're buying a house now at you know five hundred thousand dollars, but your interest rate's at a three percent owner occupant rate or even lower now, what's that payment versus prices drop to four fifty? Let's say they drop that much, but your interest rate is four percent. You can't just look at the total purchase price. You have to look at what's going on with the financing because exactly not many people hold buy and hold rentals in cash. It's just not a great use of money. So, and something I'm going to pull up here, and I thought I had it pulled up for the podcast, but I did not, was, as most of you guys know, I bought a condo back in March. Uh, yeah, closed on in March, just the standard 3-2 condo we talk about like all the time podcast, yeah. um, on here. And then, uh, you know, I've got some more money to place, just a lot of it coming from the cash out refi I talked about last year, and just some, you know, general personal savings rate. But I've been wanted to use this as an example because I got another condo 
in the exact same complex pulled uh, that under contract. And to give you the numbers on here, and the nice thing on here is HOA is the same, taxes are the same, insurance is the same, rent's going to be the same. I mean, it's a known quantity, right? Like, you, yeah. know, you know the complex, you know everything else about it, so it just becomes a numbers game. Yeah, and so what I'm going to do is I'll kind of run you guys quickly through the numbers on the place I bought in March, and I'm going to run you through the numbers on the place I bought. I'm under contract now. Uh, we're pretty much through inspections. I don't think anything will come up on there. But I bought the place in March. I think it was 196, either 194 or 196. I think it was 196. Yep. Um, I bought a 3.875% interest rate. Acquisition cost, repair cost are be about the same. Rents for 1850. All the other variables are going to be the same. 5% vacancy. I put 10% for property management, 5% for monthly repairs. HOA is 349 a month. Taxes are 1280 a year. My insurance is like 430 uh, a year. So all the same numbers we talk about, the same assumptions we often use, you know, very conservative underwriting. So that's the place I bought in March, uh, and it is right on those a 6% cap rate with conservative underwriting. My annual cash flow before taxes is $3,567. So remember that number. Uh, We'll just round up. Remember, uh, 6% cap at $3,600 a year in annual cash flow. Now, what I'm going to change is the purchase price two oh seven right? Mm-hmm. So two hundred seven thousand dollars. Acquisition costs will be the same. Repair costs will actually be about the same as well. Mortgage interest rate. I actually just talked to Joe who's doing my lending day. He said probably right around about three and a quarter. Um, so that is quite a bit lower than three point eight seven five. Everything else is staying the same. All I changed was a purchase price, which was eleven thousand dollars more, but my interest rate dropped. Um, lower half a point. So now my cash flow is three thousand seven hundred and fifty-four dollars a year, which is actually about two hundred dollars more than the previous one I purchased. But here's the kicker: the cap rate's a five point six. So cap rate went down. Cash flow goes cash up. Cash flow went up. Why that happened? Interest, interest rates, yeah. your payment's lower. And so therefore, you know, you're going to see a, an increase in the cash flow. And that's one thing that we always try to, you know, work through with our clients and make sure everybody understands. You got to look at the property from a global perspective, right? So don't get so fixated on, on the cap rate when there's so many other things at play. Yeah. And, and that's something that, cause we've had some people say, oh, well, you know, cap rates have dropped some. Yeah. And they're going to keep dropping and not just in Denver, but pretty much every market when interest rates drop, cap rates compress they drop as well because money is cheap people buy more properties but just don't as president don't just look at cap rate look at that spread between cap rate and interest rate because even though i'm spending more money on this property and it's a lower cap rate property i should actually make more cash flow from it that's the mind pretzel on here so if you're out there running numbers keep this in mind i would definitely recommend you know use joe's spreadsheet or just go to like you know google and type in mortgage calculator and play around with like you know the the mortgage balance and interest rate uh, because will prices drop? I don't think they will. I'll bet anyone that cup of coffee out there and the and the pitcher of beer uh, that I don't think they will drop in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. But even if they do, what do interest rates do? Because if interest rates go up, well, that might negate that purchase price. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> yep. Always make sure to dig into the details. And so we got a few more things we want to cover. I know pressing your head out like six minutes i think to go go show up go do real estate things you know yeah so i think we covered all the mls stats we wanted to right yep 
Yeah. And then there are a couple other... These are actually separate blog posts I put up here. I can't take credit for these blog posts, but uh, Lon Welsh, who's the, the founder of Your Castle and just a brilliant data mine and investor, he's, he just consumes data at an amazing rate and sends out like just very data-heavy uh, emails to our internal email list distribution. So I took his two emails and just copied and pasted them to the blog post. These will be in the market update section of the website and also in the show notes for this uh, blog post as well. If you want all the full details, amazing reading uh, to go look at. And there's two. One's called The Long-Term Real Estate Trends and COVID Impact in Denver. It's literally probably like eight pages long. Another one is the Denver Apartment Market Trends for Q3. Um, Both are great reads. That one's probably a little bit longer. But the COVID Impact Trends are the ones, yeah, this is the one we're going to kind of cover here. So this is just based on some data that he took from attending, you know, a a couple webinars and just kind of compiling some information on here. So where are we now? Bottom line, there's a housing shortage and this will continue. There is not enough lots, so, you know, land for people to build properties. Demand is very high and not much supply of buildable land is on the horizon. We, as in Denver developers, contractors, we cannot process plats fast enough and get city approvals. For example, it takes four years in Thornton for a new build. We could pull 30,000 permits for lots today and sell them to developers. Uh, Bill is doing a great job of selling virtually. So, punchline there, housing shortage, and not not, not on my horizon. I don't see that happening. I mean, we all know that finding places to build in Denver has been a problem for a long time, and we just don't have enough dirt, and the stuff that's out there is really, really expensive. So it doesn't make sense from a builder's perspective right now, and especially with all the other added costs and labor costs that have gone up and, and everything like that, that uh, you know it's just not profitable for them to, to build new stuff right now. Hopefully they can find a way to figure that out, but I don't think it's going to be something that will change overnight. And let's talk about because one of you know one of your friends who you know you've partnered up with yep. you guys do some you know some custom home building, and I think you'd start doing some infill closer to Denver, mm-hmm. but it just was too expensive. Yeah, and it too was long, right? too expensive. The process was just too arduous, and it you know didn't really lend itself to um, long term stability. I mean, I know there's still some builders out there that are doing stuff, but it's really hard to find enough dirt and at the right price to make it make sense. Um, so, you know, we kind of started looking at the market a couple years ago and said, hey, where is this going? What do we need to do? And, um, you know, we knew people were going to be moving moving out of the city into the suburbs as they got older. And um, we've got some really nice high-end luxury communities around town with, you know, dirt that made sense. Um, and so we've got a, a couple projects going on now. One of them's down in the Colorado Golf Club. Actually, we've got a couple down there and um, we've had really, really good interest in them. One of them will be complete here in about a week. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised with the amount of interest we've had in that stuff. So I think uh, I think there's definitely something to that. And I think from just the macro, I mean, that's, I mean, while you guys shift away from building, you know, smaller, cheaper stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, now you're building multi-million dollar custom homes down in Parker and stuff, like just because I'm exactly this. Just yep. Just everything you see here. Yeah. Uh, too much, you know, prices are high, permits are paying the butt, uh, thin margins, and now you're selling with a $3.8 million yep. custom home and... Yeah, that's not exactly affordable housing. It's not know? affordable housing, but you know, at the end of the day, it was also one of those things where, when you kind of look at look at the numbers and and just the overall market perspective from our point of view, it, it really made sense because um, we could go down and. 
build something that we wanted to and something that allowed us to have a little bit more freedom than the infill stuff in Denver. Um, but it was also one of those things where we could get permits and the build process and all that stuff much quicker than anywhere in the city. I mean, we've built this house in less than 14 months, um, which is pretty incredible for a 7,500 square foot house. Yeah, if you guys want to see videos, I mean, you post a lot of them to, to Facebook and Instagram, yep. right? Yeah, I got all yeah. kinds of stuff, uh, YouTube channel and, and Instagram. But, yeah, if you want to see some some cool products, definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, another thing that we, we've debated, just so I have enough data on here yet, is, like, is there a, a flight to the suburbs? So from, you know, the data is not out for that that I've seen. Um, but from a high level, it seems like people are definitely, you know, fleeing New York. Yep. And California, or you know the the coasts. Yeah, the coast, like San Francisco, New York here, coming to Denver. We've had property managers tell us they've seen a huge influx in renters, mm-hmm. um, and just you know from us, ta- you know, knowing in the market, talking the realtors, just lots of. There's lots of movement, here. yeah. And I think even talking to some of the, the mountain brokers here at York Castle, uh, we had a company meeting last week. I mean, they've seen a ton of activity in the mountain communities as well with people either buying second homes or, you know, moving up there and trying to, you know, just have different options, especially not knowing what's going to happen with all the uh, COVID stuff for the next or for the foreseeable future and, you know, being able to, to kind of get away from some of the, the city stuff. So with that, you know, that uh, I, I definitely think there'll be a lot of people exiting the suburbs. So should people stop buying condos and people stop buying multifamilies? No, because again, look at the supply and demand. There's still going to be renters. People are still moving here. I don't see anything on my radar that indicates it's it's going to be an issue. Yeah. The only area, again, this we don't buy it, is is like that brand new class A, four, five, seven thousand dollar condos downtown. That's the area that seems to have gotten soft. From a rental standpoint and a price standpoint. Yep, because those people, you know, I mean, a lot of those people are kind of millennial type age people, right? And they're, you know, even we kind of even saw the writing on the wall before this, but I think it just expedited the whole situation with, uh, you know, them moving to the suburbs and obviously growing up and, you know, having different family lives and stuff like that. So, And I mean, we've, you know, I don't think we've never even actually sold one of those properties downtown. No. um, Just because numbers have never made sense, but that's the one part of the market where we have not seen but multifamilies condos i mean i'm buying a condo now uh the multifamily stuff we buy we're buying the class b stuff on the outskirts of town where it's you're not ten thousand people on top of each other like there's huge demand for it and rents um, are still strong yeah and rents are still bumping up on those areas too all right well we need to wrap up i know you gotta go actually i think you're headed down to parker yep, right? headed down to parker yeah so thanks preston and guys and we hit a lot of stats on here um, I would definitely recommend checking the show notes because we got the normal MLS stats, but also these two blog posts that I swiped from Lon's email. They are amazing data. Uh, take the time to read it. Really, really good stuff on there. Preston, thank you, man. Thanks, Chris. Have a good one.